Welcome to 2018. We have been working for years on the immersive event in Unknown Compelling Force, and our hope is that this is the year it all comes to fruition. In the meantime, we give you episode five. Episode five of An Unknown Compelling Force, The Enigma of the Fireballs. So today, we're trying a little bit of a different format. My name is Andrew. I'm totally on board. By totally on board, he means suckered into this. It's going to be great. I'm going to start with a story, as I like to do. I was in California. I was in Oceanside. I found a restaurant and I sat at the sushi bar. I was by myself. I was on tour with my show. But while I was sitting there, there was a group of women that came in that were having some sort of ladies night and sat down at the sushi bar with me. I, being a woman also, was folded into the group and really could only talk to the girl next to me because it's, you know, a long bar scenario. And as you do, eventually got to, what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> and she turned all kinds of like strange colors. She looked apologetic before she ever said anything. And then she started telling me that she was working on a television show, which had not yet come out. And the name of this television show was Ancient Aliens. <laughs> now we know where we're heading. She told me all about this guy who's the creator and the host, and she looked like maybe he might kill her in her sleep. And that's why she's changing colors. And it was a fascinating conversation, which I immediately forgot all about until I was on Netflix one night, quite a bit of time later. And up pops this new show, Ancient Aliens. So this all comes flooding back to me. I'm thinking, yes, absolutely, I need to watch this show. Now here's my thing about Ancient Aliens, and I absolutely, this is 100% honest truth telling right now. I watched episode one, which is, I think, an hour and a half of why you should believe in ancient aliens. And I believed in ancient aliens. I, no, don't look at me like that. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> there, I have never seen a complete episode of this show. But I know enough from the internet memes that circulate of this History Channel travesty. You watched the entire first episode, and you were still convinced that aliens exist. Is this correct? Yes, and let's also acknowledge it's the History Channel. Uh -huh. That's legitimate. That's that's. It's called history. It's like a textbook on television. Remember, the Learning <laughs> Channel, however, is home of Honey Boo Boo. So the title can be a little misleading. Okay, fair. I think I watched three episodes altogether of Ancient Aliens. It was a while ago, it was when it first came out. Because here's what would happen to me. I would watch it, and I would watch it, and I would realize this makes sense. I see what you're saying. 
you're leading me down a logical road. I'm following you. I'm entertained. And then I would be like, yeah, there were ancient alien gods. They had spacecraft. Um, you can clearly see that in the artifacts that are found that look like airplanes way before we invented them. And the carving in the mountainsides and the all of the things that are incredibly convincing. Obviously, that's how the pyramids were made, and not just the pyramids, but look at Easter Island, right? And you go through the entire thing, and I'm completely convinced. Until about two hours after watching the episode, at which point, there, if there's anything that is the epitome of snap back to reality, right? Like, I've heard that phrase. I actually experienced it. I remember standing in my kitchen and being like, do 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 making lunch. What happened? How did, that doesn't, know. that's not okay. So I will say this about the ancient aliens, okay? And if you haven't seen it, the host is a pretty madcap character. Have you seen him? Is this the is this the internet meme guy that just goes aliens and his hair sticking out like Kramer? He's always in a like kind of a dusted suit where you're pretty sure he's high or drunk or both, but he's pretty enthusiastic. Is that the host? Perfect. I will say this about that show. It's the only show that has ever had such an effect on me in this way, where it was able to convince me of one thing that was completely outside of reality. Wait though. <laughs> is this to say that you don't believe in aliens but the show made a convincing case about aliens but if I were to watch this episode the way that you did is it presented in a way that I'm supposed to question my knowledge of aliens okay first of all I do I totally do I totally have this open maybe it's more of a hope than a belief but that there's other things. There's things that I can't see. There's stuff that happens. There's elements outside of my control. I want you to watch it. One episode. We're going to come back after you watch it. Episode one. So that we can have an informed conversation about <laughs> this. Here's what I want to say. Which is going to bring some legitimacy to this. So I, I have not been abducted by aliens yet yet the reason that i'm doing this episode is legitimacy is brought to this aspect of the case because and i mentioned this in the last episode if you listen to that shedding light that lev ivanov the lead investigator he wrote an article in 1990 when the restriction was removed and he was allowed to talk about it again called The Enigma of the Fireballs. You will also remember that this is the guy who brought the Geiger counter. If the conclusion after 30 years of radio silence is that it was an alien death ray, this is that weird skeptic in me that thinks, why would aliens travel? And I would say impossible, but I think people use the word improbable more often now, but an impossible distance to get to Earth to make a whoopsie daisy and go, oops, we just happened to land in a very remote place with a few inhabitants, and they didn't react well to us being here because we're aliens and maybe 
people and aliens don't do well together, and then we killed them. Oh, those poor organic life forms. Bye! One answer to that is that there is a belief that the aliens are coming from a parallel universe through a black hole, which is often affiliated with some sort of electromagnetic pocket. It keeps coming back to these magnets. I don't mean for it to, but it keeps popping up in every bit of research that I find. There's also the concept that some mountains around the world are deemed evil, but they're actually part of this kind of opening into alien activity. And here's another thing that I haven't mentioned yet. There is an Ancient Aliens episode about the Diablo Pass incident. I'm not saying that that isn't a plausible theory. And it should be included in the pantheon of, of potential possibilities for what happened. It makes it really difficult because we want to find conclusive answers to conclusive evidence. We want to say, why is somebody's tongue missing? Was it bitten off? Was it removed on purpose? Did animals eat it after the fact? Was it something that was otherworldly? Those all have to play a contention in things. Why was their skin orange? Was it based off of their altitude and the combination of, of exposure to the sun? Or, you know, a combination of other factors? Was it specifically an alien death ray? If that's in the running, and it should be, it just makes it so much harder to feel a little bit of sympathy for these people that went through the, just a terrible, this was their last moments on Earth. You totally laughed at Alien Death, right, when you said that. You did. And that is the thing we cannot do. You mentioned some other things, too, which are the oranging of the skin. I haven't mentioned that yet within this podcast. But the guy who runs the Dyatlov Institute, I think it's called, in Kattenberg, where they came from, uh, he was 12 years old and went to the funerals, and he says that the skin of some of those final survivors had been tanned, that they had prematurely aged, that their hair had grayed, and that is actually a large part of this theory of the alien death ray, as well as the fact that they had no external injuries, so it was something that had shocked them from the core, aged them, tanned them, left them in this strange state of being that we had never seen before. That is, I dare say, alien to us. That's right, I did it. And maybe you'll touch on this, and I'm positive you'll touch on this in future episodes, but for whatever reason, my logical brain keeps wanting to go back to more terrestrial answers to this, and that may include some sort of testing or the environment in which they were being affected by a certain type of radiation. I don't personally know the effects of that. I don't know if exposure to a certain type of radiation at a certain altitude does the same things. I don't know if that combination 
by default means that all of a sudden you do age prematurely or your skin is so much more susceptible to cracking or or having a, a, a actual genuine relationship with your hair turning a different color. I, I don't know that. Um, I would be interested to learn more about that alternative theory as opposed to jumping to what would be a complete paradox of aliens arriving, being there for a very particular time at a very particular moment at a very particular location, inflicting this type of external damage and then more or less disappearing. That's actually one of the elements of this as well where there's discussion of how how much of a direct hit whatever this force was hit the because there's no evidence of any kind of effect on the snow, the trees, anything around them, but clearly just directly them. And Ancient Aliens also mentions that it was clearly nothing of the Earth that was frightening them from their tent. So it had to be from the sky. And in the last podcast, what you had made reference to specifically with the lights, and I think that there is something completely palpable about being terrified by something that you don't know, you don't understand, you're not entirely confident with. So if they were seeing lights or hearing noises, and even if those lights were responsive to them, and that was a huge factor in some of their movements, looking a certain way, being recognized by a light, being compelled to run a different direction and still being followed by that light. I think that would be a completely terrifying experience. I personally don't have anything that I've ever been involved with. And I camp and I hike and I go and disappear not as often as you do. But when I can get into nature, nature can be scary on its own right. It can be completely dark, it can be completely absent of noise, it can be its own isolated environment, but it's so massively big that you realize how small you are. So anything that it stimulates the senses, if it's a snap of a law or a, of, a, of a twig, or if it's a rustle in the leaves, or something that that triggers that kind of base fear, you respond to it. I, I don't know, given the circumstances, how terrified they must have been in order to flee their tent and go out as prepared as they were with such haste. That had to have been an enormous, an enormous, and for all of them, they all decided to do it. They all decided to to flee their campsite. So something had to have happened, something had to have been instigated that was that terrifying that it obscured a rational thought process and a rational decision making for them to be able to just flee. I will also say this, you're kind of coming at this from our time into our world, if that makes sense. Just to challenge that a little bit of how much more extreme I feel like it had to have been because they are not new to this. This is a thing that they do on a regular basis, right? So it's not, every once in a while we leave the big city and go out to this crazy, scary wilderness, which is maybe the case for people who live in Chicago. Maybe. Who still have iPhones, you know? 
They didn't have any radios, they didn't have any communication, but they're completely used to that. That's nothing new to them. Um, Igor Dyatlov had actually made this exact same hike within the year. So nothing that's really, like the snap of a twig is probably not gonna throw him off. That kind of thing is probably, so just to say, it's gotta be much, much more extreme. As you also said, to affect everyone. There might be one person that gets a little nervous, but frankly, if you're in a group of people, you don't even show that, right? If you're amidst nine other, well, eight other college-ish students and one 37-year-old Sasha, then you keep your cool and you don't play it off. If you're alone, maybe, yeah. Ooh, snap on a twig, oh, no. But if you're in a group of nine, it's gonna be something really big that makes you do that. Something that you haven't experienced before. I was wondering if you know, in all of your research, if anybody has put together that theory, that UFO theory, with the timelines that other people have created. Someone has put together the theory, and that's Leva Ivanov. I don't know if it involves a timeline. And here is me admitting my shortcomings. I, Even if I did, I have not been able to find an entire transcript of the Enigma of the Fireballs. But I have found pieces and parts that have been translated that clearly state his theory of aliens and death rays. Seriously though, if this guy, if that's his theory, I'm, I'm putting it in. I'm putting it in. Now we are going to watch Ancient Aliens. <laughs> this is from Season 3, if you want to look it up, and it's called Aliens and Evil Places. A quick addendum to this story. Since this episode was recorded, I have found the transcript for Enigma of the Fireballs in its entirety, as well as someone who can transcribe that for me from Russian into English. So here is the end of that transcript, which was published back in 1990 by Lev Ivanov, who did indeed believe that the hikers were killed by aliens and the fireballs in the sky. Here's what he says. In 40 years of service for the prosecutor's office, and a majority of this time spent operating with secret information, I still do not understand why they had to lie to the people. He does not want to justify my actions in making the information about the fireballs secret and the death of a large group. I previously asked correspondents to publish my statement of apology to relatives of victims. My plea was unsuccessful. It seems that only now we can f fight this power in the country. Fireballs existed and continue to. We have to understand their nature. Informants we met talk about their peaceful character, but as you can see, there are tragic instances. Someone had to show their power to show off or to scare off, and it resulted in killing three people. I know all the details, as much as only the people who have been inside these fireballs. Why do youth engage in these dangerous hikes? I understand that these are character-building activities. 
When we investigated the location of the incident, we were amazed by the courage of these people. They climbed trees to collect wood for their fire. There were skin parts left on the trees. First deaths were due to a drop, some kind of internal injuries. They were carried away from the fire. Who created those fireballs? I'm sure they will make themselves visible soon. I have no doubts in that. <laughs> <laughs>